Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. We roll on and it's a busy Wednesday up over that hump, tucking uh, off of the record conversations coming out of the uh, 8 o'clock hour. And uh, moving forward now, Rod will have his uh, second rant of the day coming up. Last time he was talking about uh, Mike Zimmer, Cowboys' new D.C., and how he will change the face of the Cowboys' defense. Coming in from, uh, well, at last, the Minnesota Vikings. Cowboys will have some changes to make because uh, they've lost a good number of their defensive coaches. Dan Quinn's taking a couple of them with them to Washington. And their defensive line coach, Rod Arden Dirt, who did so good, such a good job there. Uh, now Seattle Seahawks' defensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah. With Mike McDonald, the mm-hmm. uh, new head coach there. So, Interested in that, what they're doing out in the great Northwest with Pete Carroll out, and they go with the young Mike McDonald. We'll, we'll talk about some of these coaches and who, now that it's all settled, uh, how does it land and who has improved themselves uh, the most? Because, uh, you know, the, the, the Seahawks went from the oldest coach in the league to the youngest. And I think he's built a pretty good staff out there in Seattle um, to, to build. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh's now with the L.A. Chargers. Um, Cowboys have to be, get a new defensive coordinator. The Eagles, interesting with Vic Fangio on defense and Kellen Moore on offense. You know, new, new Dan Quinn's got Cliff Kingsbury on defense yep. and himself and, um, you know, his former passing game coordinator in Dallas now running the defense. So, yeah, there's a lot to uh, to chew on now into this offseason where everybody's chasing that one guy, that one guy 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, I would say there were more defensive uh, coaches hired as head coaches than I thought um, would be the case uh, because Jared Mayo ends up, is a deep, obviously a defensive guy. Uh, Mike McDonald, defensive guy, ends up being uh, head coach. Um, you know, you started to see more. I mean, that's usually you thought because of the offensive revolution in the NFL, such the importance on the quarterback position, more and more offensive coaches, young offensive coaches, uh, getting those jobs. But, no, we've seen some Raheem Morris, defensive guy. Um, so I, I, I love the NFL that it's still they're still willing to uh, look at a defensive head coach potentially, even though I know the – the meteoric rise of a lot of these guys uh, has been on the offensive side of the ball early uh, on. But I think half the half the coaching guys, I think, were defensive. Yeah. Defensive head coaches. Well, and obviously offensive coaches have been to the Super Bowl of late, uh, yeah. the trend. But yes. As I said, usually I said, and I thought that would be the trend, but I think half of them were defensive hires. Well, and it's also as the dust has settled and the music has stopped, the, uh, the Eric Bieniemy didn't land anywhere. Oh, yes, he did. He's going in with Kansas City, I guarantee you. Oh, he'll be back there, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be back with Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. I put money on it. By the uh, end of the offseason, he will end up, and it'll probably be a quiet story, too, because I'm sure he interviewed for some jobs. Just, it just didn't work out for him. And, I, and he may decide he doesn't want to go back to Kansas City yet because if he does, he knows that his chance at upward mobility may be done, and I think he always knows that Kansas City will make a place for him. Yeah. You know, they had him there to talk to the team, um, during the playoffs. Game. Yeah, to motivate them. He gave, he gave him a motivational speech. It was like, well, he wasn't with the team, so I guess it didn't matter because right. he had been ousted already. Um, but they really love him there. So I think he may decide to try to give it another shot with another team to see if he can actually become a coordinator and fast-track himself to being a head coach. But, you know, he left, and he really didn't increase his improve his stock overall. Um, and I don't think he hurt his stock overall either. I just don't think he did anything for him. 
it was only a one-year thing. Yeah, no question about it, and uh, we'll see. But uh, Cowboys rebuilding their defensive staff with uh, Mike McCarthy in charge of the offense, obviously. And, um, you know, all these teams are now settled. Uh, the other thing that's going to happen in this offseason, now that we're here after the Chiefs have a parade today, is um, – you know, rules changes. I did read again the Washington Post, Mark Maskey, because uh, one of the things that comes out of the Super Bowl is all the media descends in one place and they get to talk to the people they need to talk to. And, yep. you know, the good ones, you know, dig good stories. And uh, according to Mark Maskey of the Washington Post, the NFL is continuing to explore the XFL format uh, of kickoffs. It's a good idea. Um, you know, we talked about Keelan Robinson, who's going to the mm-hmm. Combine. And, you know, there, there is some thought all around the league that there, are, that there is momentum to change this. So maybe that's why a Keelan Robinson-type player gets invited to a Combine. That would be big. Because what if uh, the kickoff all of a sudden is back as a, uh, an important play? Uh, Jeff Miller, the league's the NFL's Executive Vice President of Communications and Public Affairs and Policy, that's a long title, uh, has said the league has spent, quote, a fair amount of time studying the kickoff that the XFL, we've analyzed the XFL rule, which is, you know, a bit, is a bit of a departure from ours. We've analyzed the rule to see whether there are not things we can learn from there. Um, in the XFL, the kicker boots the ball from the team's own 30-yard line while 10 other players line up at the opponent's 35. And so aside from the runner, receiving, the receiving team stands at the 30, nobody beyond the kicker. So the returner can move until, can't move until the returner touches the ball, yeah. and a kick must clear the 20-yard line. So you, you reduce and at some level eliminate the high-speed collisions, but you still have your kickoff, and you still have blocking and tackling and get the guy to the ground. Uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like it, right? Yeah. No, I, I think it's a great idea. I don't know why the NFL – wouldn't have considered it before. I mean, there have been several uh, attempts to get the NFL to tweak their uh, their rule, and, and a lot of people have actually presented the and suggested the XFL's uh, kickoff return. So I'm glad they're they're finally deciding that it's something worth pursuing. Um, it's something they should have done a while ago, though, um, considering they were trying to make the play safer, and now all the studies show that it's still the most dangerous play in football. And it's the most dangerous play in football because even without the actual return itself, guys are still having the high-speed collisions because you're not changing the actual play itself. You still have these guys that are running from great distances and they still have the assignment of having to block a player. And if you can just change it to the XFL format as you just uh, broke down there, you eliminate the high-speed collisions and you can still get in the actual assignment football of the return game. And the studies have shown, at least the, X, the XFL has the sample size to show you that it actually promotes returns. Yeah, it does. I mean, it'll, you'll, get, you'll get, you know, 30, 40, uh, you know, uh, 30, 40 yard kickoff returns. And that's what the NFL wants. And it, right now it's a play that doesn't matter. And that is the NFL's one uh, kind of, if you run, that's kind of the one thing that they're against and opposed and opposition to is they want every play to matter. Yeah, cardinal rule is d- d- yeah. don't have a play that no one's going to watch, yeah. right? They're going to turn it off because it's uh, just going to go into the end zone and they're going to put their That's hands exactly up right. and it's going to be at the 25-yard line. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but you go, if you can go Google it and watch how the XFL did it. It does, and, and you know, for on the year that Devin Hester is going into the Hall of Fame, right, and guys like Keelan Robinson, That's right. it becomes an exciting play. It because, should be. Because uh, you got to get that guy to the ground, and he's mm-hmm. really elusive and fast. And uh, brings excitement to it. Also, Rod, before we get to your rant, as we're now cleaning up the season in the NFL, I saw this with the, um, the NFL's top 50 free agents to be, and that'll be next month, right? You'll get through the combine, 
uh, and what you'll start hearing about at the Combine, because that's the next time that, that you know, all the league brass gathers and contracts and who's going to get a franchise tag and who's not and who's working a long-term deal. That's also at the Combine, Rod, where a lot of the uh, – the foundation for big trades gets gets the groundwork yep. gets laid because the agents are there and the uh, the teams and the GMs are there. But interesting because uh, you know you got Chris Jones as the number one free agent. He should be. And you wonder because you've talked about uh, you getting the numbers, Rod, that franchise defensive tackles. I mean, it may not be seen as a premium position when they go to the premium roster building board. Same time, you know, a lot of the highest paid defensive players in this league are defensive tackles. Yep. And Chris Jones might be the best of all of them. Uh, he's he, Aaron Donald is the only one I'd take above Chris Jones. Aaron Donald. Quentin Williams is making a push to yeah, be that kind of player that, on the Jets defense, but man, they are other than Aaron, Aaron, other than Aaron Donald, Chris Jones is the best interior D lineman in the league. Game record. Yep. So he's uh, he's obviously a franchise tag candidate, but they got to get him locked up. They got to get him paying what his worth. And the Quentin Williams deal was the most recent. It's probably where that's going to start. But there's no way because if you're his agent. You know, the, the Chiefs will never let him get to the open market. No, they won't. That would be foolish. They'll yeah. either work out a long-term deal or tag him, but he is the most talented player who could be a free agent. Kirk Cousins, how much does the, does the Achilles injury affect Kirk Cousins, right? Quite a bit. Like, how healthy yes. is he going to be when the season begins next year? And he's asked, he's 36 years old as of the start of next season. Um, yeah, and no, I mean, they, they've done such, you know, amazing things now with medical science and those types of injuries. And for a player like Kirk Cousins, who's a pocket-passing quarterback, you know, age would be the big issue. But now quarterbacks, hell, 30, 30, 40's the new 30 yeah. with these guys. So I, I think Kirk Cousins will still demand a lot on the open market. And there are enough of these new coaches, not all of them necessarily want to start um, their, their tenure off with a – with searching for a franchise quarterback in the draft. A lot of them would like a veteran quarterback who's already been there and done that, and he could be the perfect bridge quarterback for you. Now, how much he's going he's gonna to demand on the open market, that's a whole other question. Is he worth that kind of money? That's dependent on the franchise and the situation. Well, I don't he, know if he's worth – he's going he's gonna, to get big money, top dollar. For sure, and if, but, if, but the, you're also dealing – kind of like Aaron Rodgers, right? You're dealing with Achilles for an older player – you know, does he come back 100%? And that becomes – you won't know that. No. When you start bidding for him, that conversation will be had. Uh, you know, Josh Allen in Jacksonville, the pass rusher, he is a guy that probably gets a tag with uh, the GM, Trent Balky there, has already said. We're not letting him out of town. T. Higgins is an interesting name, right? T. Higgins. Yeah, they, a lot 25. of talk saying they're going to they're franchise tag him. It could, talk saying they could franchise tag him. Yeah, can they afford to do that? And what happens with because T. Higgins would be one of those guys who say, "Wait a second, uh, if you tag me, I'm holding out or whatever. Um, and you need to trade me." Where I, he wants to go, either get paid like a number one receiver or be a number one receiver, I believe. But uh, he's only 25 years old. This would be his time to to get that cash. Uh, we've heard the Chiefs as a team may be interested uh, if there's a trade opportunity for him. Oh, that would be scary. Wouldn't that be scary? Yes, it would be. Also in the top Ooh. ten, Brian Burns, the pass rusher from Carolina, likely to be a tag. Justin Matabike, the uh, Texan, uh, former Aggie. Uh, he's there at uh, off the Baltimore defense at 26 years old. Uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, defensive, uh, is a guy as well that you could look for. Antoine Winfield Jr., Rod, from that really good Tampa Bay secondary. Yep. He's only 26 years old. Legereus Sneed is one the Chiefs oh, have yeah. to figure out. That's going to be big, too. And then uh, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Tampa Bay wide receiver. No, your he's been linked a little bit as Houston if they get if he's ever oh, if he's available bad. because he's from Galveston originally, and um, you got uh, emerging Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Would Mike Evans want to go back near his home and play mm. for, with C.J. Stroud? Uh, that's interesting there too. Yeah, I think 
Man, also Mike Evans would be scary with Kansas City. Just chunking that out there. We saw with Baker Mayfield this year, he can still spin it, man, Ooh. and still go get it. And with DeAndre Hopkins is another guy, too. Is he, is he a free agent? Uh, they lock him up for two years. D Hop, I think it's. I don't. I don't see him on this list. But okay. uh, the Texans have the, have the, one of their own free agents. And that's Jonathan Gennard. They got to figure him out. The pass rusher. Oh, they let yeah. him hit the open market, or they because that's where a lot of people have the Texans drafting you an might, edge player. You and might let have him to go. let him go. Yeah. I mean, just because you're such a young team, like you know, you you start you need to start building for the future. Jonathan Gennard's a really good player, but I don't know if you can pay for that productivity. Already, I think you need to let, and you would want some of the young guys to start kind of stepping into that role anyway. If I'm the Texans, I might have to let him walk. I'm starting to build around this offense anyway. Yeah, this offense can go win us some games right now. Defense is going to be a bit of a, it's still of a project, and you you still invested really well in defense. You got Will Anderson. Yeah, he's your perennial pass rusher. And remember, they did uh, they do have seventy some million dollars in cap space to either re-sign their own guys mm-hmm. like him or Dalton Schultz or. Yep. Devin Singletary, or let them go, hit the market again, and you know go after some some other guys, and obviously draft guys. Uh, how about this on this list of the top fifty free agents? Tony Pollard, all the way down at forty six, forty six, way down there. Uh, obviously, wow. he would have had a higher grade last year. Um, you know, even coming off the injury, his performance this year not great. And um, Cowboys have to figure out. Uh, they have Tyron Smith at number eighteen on this list. They have Saquon Barkley at number seventeen. Mm. And uh, obviously Saquon Barkley will turn 27 by the next football season, but I think there will be demand for Saquon. Uh, yeah, just because I mean this guy can come out of the backfield as a receiver too, and really give you a lot of productivity if he can stay healthy. And I would say what's helping him is lately we've seen guys with a bad injury history or with you know the injury bug, so so to speak. They've actually been healthy. Christian McCaffrey is the number one example at running back. A guy who couldn't stay healthy in at least the last two years in the right system with the right motivation. Um, he seems to be a guy that's got, at least gotten more and more durable. Yeah, that would be – I mean, I, I've said this. I mean, I'd rather – if I'm a Texans fan, I'd rather have Saquon Barkley in Houston in the backfield than even Mike Evans. I'd rather go give me a dynamic okay. running back with the young emerging receiving core. Uh, we'll see. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. We've got a month until that gets going, but those are some names to keep an eye on. Cowboys have to figure out what they're doing with Tyron Smith. Uh, what they can do with Tony Pollard. If they don't go Pollard, who do they go after at running back? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those they, they need they need to go back to running the ball in Dallas, without a doubt. And if you, if you lose Tyron Smith, can you slide, slide Tyler Smith out to tackle, who plays guard? Uh, a lot of issues. A lot of issues. going to be fun. That's this time of year when you're rebuilding your roster in the next uh, two months, all the way to the draft at the end of April. Well, all right, Rod. Got to pay some guys, too. Got to pay some dudes. Yeah, they got to pay some dudes. Pay some dudes. Uh, all right, and restructure Dak's contract. They got to get that sorted out because that $59.5 million cap hit is pretty untenable at this point. All right, let's get to uh, Rod's second rant of this busy Wednesday. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, let's talk about uh, the differences between the uh, Mike Zimmer and Dan Quinn defense. Uh, you know, there are going to be a, some, some things I think they're going to be very similar in what they're trying to achieve and what they want to do. Um, I also think they're going to be some, some very different elements to the Mike Zimmer defense than Dan Quinn's defense. Um, and Dan Quinn's defense is really unique. And from a strategic kind of uh, philosophical standpoint, 
I think Dan Quinn was just great at at creating chaos for the offense, right? He would just promote chaos. And he did that in a number of different ways. He, he'd do this by using a lot of pre-snap shell disguise. And because they used so many three safety defenses, it was easy for him to disguise a lot of the, pre, uh, the pre-snap look because he would just move those safeties around, keep moving those safeties around the front. Uh, and that made it really tough for quarterbacks to process pre-snap and post-snap. Um, he also ran twists and stunts at a top five rate in the NFL, probably as much as any team in the, in the league. They ran a lot of twists and stunts uh, up front, a lot of loops up front on the defensive line. This helps confuse blocking schemes. So confusion and chaos, once again, is ways promoting confusing blocking schemes up front. Played a lot of man coverage, which allowed them to get exotic with their pressure packages and that created a lot of pressure when they were a top five pressure unit in the NFL. And then it created turnovers because quarterbacks trying to decipher, trying to process post-snap what they had already analyzed pre-snap. It didn't always match up. And if it didn't match up, quarterbacks would make mistakes. And that's why he had a defense that promoted a lot of turnovers. So it, it's it, it, you're not going to get, I don't think, the turnover rates as high, or the pressure rates as high from a Mike Zimmer defense. Doesn't mean the defense won't be effective at getting turnovers and at creating pressure. I just don't think you'll get them at the rates that you got them with a Dan Quinn defense because he would roll the dice. He took a lot of chances with that defense, and there were that's why at times uh, that defense was vulnerable to uh, just a straight-up power run game um, because there were some uh, vulnerabilities with the defense, just because it was built on hybrid principles, hybrid players he'd bring in, and that was by design. He liked hybrid players that also would lead to confusion. He's trying to promote confusion and chaos, as I said. That would lead to more confusion, trying to identify what players were in what roles also is more to process for a quarterback. And all that was done and I think intentionally built uh, and it was as the architect of that defense, that was something that Dan Quinn took a lot of pride in. And I watched him try to build the same thing at Atlanta. This is kind of a new evolution for Dan Quinn. Now, for Mike Zimmer, he is going to use some of the same principles. He likes playing man coverage. Uh, he famously once said, you can go find a cover two corner anywhere. I can go to 7-Eleven and go find a cover two corner here. It means he values guys that can just play straight up man-to-man defense. Now, he won't play as much man-to-man as Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, between cover zero and between just straight up cover one, I mean, he was probably at 34% just straight up man principles. With, with Zimmer, it'll probably be close to 20%. Maybe a little bit lower than that. But a third of your uh, coverage was man coverage with Dan Quinn. Love to play a lot of single high safeties. Probably about 60% or more of the time he was playing with one single safety in the middle of the field to reflect cover one, which is man-to-man, or to reflect cover three. Because um, remember back in his time with the Seattle Seahawks, then when he was the architect of the Legion of Boom, he played a lot of pattern match cover three. Uh, pattern match. Remember that term. We'll come back to it. They played a lot of pattern match cover three, and so he would kind of morph his defenses between playing man-to-man and playing uh, kind of a zone matchup out of cover three. And you would get between those two principles, you're talking about 60 to 65 percent of your coverage looks of your presentation single high man-to-man principles. That's a lot. Those are really high numbers. Uh, For Dan Quinn, 30% 30% cover one, about 10% cover two, about 33% cover three, 
about 11% cover four. That's pretty much how it breaks down. For Zimmer, you have much more balance and variety with your coverages. Uh, your cover one, you're about 17%. Cover two, 18. Cover three, 21. This is all from 2021, Zimmer's last season. Um, and cover four, you're about 13%. So he's just he's, he has a lot more balance to his coverages. Um, there's a, a lot more stability in a Mike Zimmer defense, so it'll be better against the run. Um, because they, he doesn't value hybrid athletes as much. He'll be more, the defense will be more stout against the run. He likes to play two deep safeties when he can in terms of the presentation. You go look at it, cover two, and between cover two, cover four, and cover six. And in cover six is quarters, quarters, half. Um, that's what cover six is. Between, because uh, the cover six for Dan Quinn, he was at 0%. He was last in the NFL at, at, at a cover six uh, rate. Um, Zimmer will play more. He'll play at least 10 to 12% of his coverage will be cover six, which is quarters, quarters, half. So that's a two deep coverage. Um, two man is a two deep coverage. Cover four is a two deep coverage. Cover two is a two deep coverage. When I say two deep, I mean two safeties deep. So just between those coverages and you go look at just the way that Mike Zimmer likes to keep two deep safeties, you're talking about 50%. Uh, closer to 50% of your defense is going to be two deep safeties. And when Dan Quinn, he was playing two deep safeties probably closer to 30% of the time, 30 to 40% of the time. Um, so there's more balance in that regard, right? So what they call middle of the field close is when you have one safety in the middle of the field. Middle of the field open is when you have two deep safeties and they are split. So the middle of the field is open, all right? So that's middle of the field open. With Zimmer, you're going to get balance. You're going to get 50-50 basically middle of the field close and middle of the field open. That was not the case with Dan Quinn. He's much more uh, – he seems to be a much more favorable to the single high safeties where he can play his man and play his cover three um also you're not gonna get as many twists and stunts up front on the d-line um he's gonna play a lot of under technique and it's gonna bring back the fourth basically a four three dan quinn was more multiple so you get a lot of different looks on the d-line with zimmer you're not gonna get as many looks you're gonna get mike zimmer with a four three base uh, what that means for a guy like demar and overshone that remains to be seen but over the last over his last two seasons in minnesota um he finished fourth in base defense and the base defense base base basically means you only have four defensive backs. You don't have your sub packages of nickel, which is five DBs, or dime, which is six DBs. Uh, he he had a 34% base defensive rate. Um, most of that being four three. They only use dime. And remember, a lot of people complained about uh, Dan Quinn's use of sub packages, but he loves sub packages. He loves to uh, blitz the field with speed. Spagnola. We just talked about Spag, Steve Spagnuolo, Kansas City Chiefs uh, defensive coordinator. He loves sub packages. He loves using dime and nickel sub packages. So does Dan Quinn. He wants to have as much speed on the field as possible, and he likes hybrid athletes. With Zimmer, you're not going to have that as much. You get a lot more base. Um, you also, his dime usage was at 2%. So he had the fifth lowest usage of dime personnel sub package in all the NFL the last time that he was coaching. That's just not the way Zimmer operates. So uh, those will be some of the subtle differences. You'll get more two deep safeties. You'll also get, I think, fewer twists and stunts. You'll still get a lot of pre-snap shell disguise because Zimmer likes that, but he does it with just his two high safeties, not the three safety look that Dan Quinn liked to, th liked to throw out there a ton, more than any team in the league. So, so there are certain elements that made Dan Quinn's defense so unique. 
more three safeties than everybody else in the league. Uh, top five rate of twists and stunts on the defensive line. Lots of sub packages. Top five rate of dime packages and sub packages. You just those are things I think you're gonna they're gonna change. But I still think you're gonna get uh, some similarities. There's a lot put on the safeties. Safety is deep right now for the Cowboys. I think Jerron Curse may be the only one of those three safeties you got to worry about leaving. Um, and that will be that in the corners. Since you do have those two corners, that'll end up being that the strength of the team. The back seven will probably be the strength of the, the Cowboys, the way Zimmer's going to set it up early on um, because he's going to play a lot of man coverage, and that man coverage will dictate the pressure rather than with Dan Quinn. I think a lot of times the pressure would be able to dictate coverage. He's going to be a coverage dictates pressure guy because he's a secondary guy. Uh, Mike Zimmer's a secondary coach by nature. Yep. Um, Dan Quinn was not that. Good stuff. I mean, that's uh, what we'll follow. And obviously, got to build the staff, and he's going to bring, I think, a different type of attitude to the Cowboys. Yes. Just a more, as I say, boot in the ass kind of mindset. Or Dan Quinn was more the, the, a player's coach, and they played for him. They played well for him. They I mean, did. it's one thing. I know all Cowboy fans remember the Packers game, and that's how the season ended. But that team was was an elite defense a lot this year. And pro bowlers, all, all pros all over the field. Uh, two, two finalists for Defensive Player of the Year, Rod, yeah. with Deron Bland and. Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. um, but you know we we heard the sound coming out of the Super Bowl of C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons talking about we have to be the force for change, right? right. We have to drive the uh, the maturity level of our football team and demand more. That that's where it starts, and Mike Zimmer will demand it. I promise you that he he doesn't put up with much bull. I believe that and, too. Uh, yep, it's that no nonsense. <clears throat> and knowing Mike Mike Zimmer, I, I don't know. I would I would bet uh, a house payment that uh, the f bomb meter goes through the roof. Yeah, versus, bomb what, versus what uh, Dan Quinn was. Swear jar around <laughs> oh, man. for charity. Don't have that with Mike Zimmer. <laughs> Don't have it. <laughs> no. It'll be full. When he gets going. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll pick up see, uh, these conversations. Cowboys in uh, the offseason. The NFL now is here. Uh, we've also got uh, college basketball, Rod. The Longhorns enjoying a midweek off. But uh, bracketology shining pretty good on Texas right now as far as where Rodney Terry's team is. Uh, so we'll get to some of that. Also some uh, – some who said that before Ooh, the end of the hour. That. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook him up, rolls on. If it's Wednesday, the midweek, it's 930, even on Valentine's Day. You know it's time for Nick Shuley and Setlist ATX, uh, the president of the, li- the Austin Music Movement, also heavily involved in the NIL space with uh, Clark Field Creative and the Texas One Fund, but uh, just a couple of his many, many jobs that he's all that he's very, very good at all of them, Rob. Busy man. Busy man. He is our man, Nick Shuley. What's up, Nick? Hey, Nick. What's up, guys? What is going on? You got Valentine's plans as Ty plays the uh, the love music this morning? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. It, it, we actually had an audible. I, it, I was pretty excited about it. Uh, we had uh, my girlfriend and I had reservations uh, at Il Bruto, which I really like. But she was like, "Can we just go see a movie or something tonight?" I was like, "I love that idea. Let's just let's just hang." <laughs> nice. Right. So what do we know? The movie we're going to yeah, take it, in. And- I believe we're going to see Argyle. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think is the name of it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a ton. Now. Yeah, there wasn't a ton to choose from. So I, I, I kind of wanted to see the Bob Marley movie too, but it didn't feel like a Valentine's one. <laughs> oh, that's true. No. That's true. Is that out? Yeah, it's yeah. out. Yeah. I want to see that. That looks good. That does look good. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah, there we go. So the nice plans, movie theater. Uh, I, I didn't step foot in a movie theater in 2023, and I haven't yet in 2024. So I'm going to have to. I don't know what I wonder what movie that's going to be. Man, I honestly, I, I just go for the food. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. Rod. Oh, do you go to do you go to the Alamo? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Would, would yeah you, no, Rod. Rod, you saw Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer. No, I'm just saying like that's the only one I've gone out to see. That yeah. one you had to see in the theater. That one's oof, Dang it. so good. So oh, no. <laughs> and you got the Academy Awards coming up where it's expected that Killian Murphy is going to sweep all the awards as Oppenheimer. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to that. I'll have to see that before. Now the football season is officially over and no more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get out and check that out. Hopefully I can find a theater that's still got it. But uh, before we get to the live music, and of course Nick comes in each week and sets your roadmap for live music, and there's some good stuff this weekend, no doubt about it. Uh, we're looking forward to that. But also Longhorn Basketball with the Brotherhood podcast that Nick hosts. I did see where Andy Katzrod. As the Longhorns have seven games to go, uh, Andy Katz has the Longhorns as an eight seed in the Midwest <laughs> region with a first-round matchup against Indiana State in the uh, region that would be, you know, the top seed would be Purdue. Um, you know, that, is that, that about where you have them right now, kind of, kind of an eight seed with uh, the quad one win, 16-8 and eight overall, 5-6 and six in the Big 12? Yeah, it scarily feels correct. Those are the those are the scariest matchups, though. But you know, a lot can happen. This is you know, as we've seen this year, we've kind of been all over the place as a team. And I think you know, who knows how these are going to go? We could get really hot. Uh, the the Big Twelve has been insane with you know just the best teams getting obliterated by the quote worst teams and vice versa. And it's just it's it's been such an erratic year. Yeah, it has been. Um, you know, just when you think that team's starting to play its best basketball, then they kind of stub their toe, right? We, and But I will mention that Iowa State was this toe stub last week. Dylan DeSue played a hell of a game, especially he kept him in it, and then won Big 12 Player of the Week. But Rod and uh, Nick, Iowa State did it again last night. They went into Cincinnati and beat the Bearcats. I mean, that's a team that's, that's playing like a top-ten team right now. Yeah, we, we kind of sneaked out of there with the, with the win on that game. But uh... – but yeah, I think it's 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 interesting. He kind of Rodney kind of went with six, oh, he only had six guys over twenty minutes in the last game, so it was it was pretty much a six man effort. But they all they all played really well. Everybody was in double digits, and uh, yeah, I think except it except Horton, but all the, all the starters ended up in uh, in double digits. But it's gonna be interesting to see what how he how he utilizes lineups going forward. But I I, I mean obviously it, it, Kendall Weaver's kind of become the the mainstay in this in this whole rejuvenation of the team <laughs> yeah I mean uh, Kendall Weaver has been unbelievable and, and Dylan DeSue man that game he had last time out was unbelievable I mean 19 in the first half they blew out West Virginia but um, you know those felt like he could have scored you know 40 some points in that game if they needed the points because they got it out such a big lead and Dylan DeSue was playing at an extremely high level He's that's been, the thing yeah. as you form this uh, you know you know what your rotations are going to be. I mean, you know, Ace Miss, DeSue with Kendall Weaver, Tyrese Hunter had 19 the other night. I mean, 
you know who has to perform. You know the guys that have to get it going here down the stretch because they still have to make trips down to Houston. They got to go to Kansas. They got to go to Waco. They got to go to Lubbock. I mean, they're going to need some more wins here uh, down the stretch, and those guys have to continue to play good. They'll play Saturday at noon in Houston against uh, Kelvin Sampson and his Cougars with Rodney Terry. Texas women playing in Houston tonight, as a matter of fact, and now as a top-five team. They've moved into the top five this week at number five nice. uh, with the four-game winning streak that they are on. All right, uh, Nick, uh, the set list ATX, where are the best shows in all of Austin, Texas, beginning tonight? Yeah, we got a couple of Valentine's shows. I know Ty is contemplating one, one of them. This Bob Schneider show over at uh, ACL Live will be a cool one. And then Dale Watson will be out at Green Hall for doing doing something for Valentine's. So those are some some pretty good ones. Um, yeah, and then th- Thursday this this week was a uh, I had to whittle off uh, concerts every day. They're just they're starting to it's starting to stack up. So they uh, Thursday or tomorrow Nightmares on Wax, a, a really big dance group, will be over at Concourse Project. Rhett Miller of the old 97s will be doing a solo show at the 04 Center, which if you haven't seen Rhett, he puts on an amazing show. I'm guessing that one's acoustic, but not positive. And then Kat Edmondson will be doing her vintage pop over at the Paramount Theater. And then two really up-and-coming songwriter, kind of indie pop songwriters that I really like. Ryan Beatty will be over at the Scoot Inn, and Ricky Montgomery will be over at Emo's. Those will be really cool shows. Very good. And then uh, on Friday over at ACL Live, we got uh, Grace Potter there, who's uh, who's gosh, I don't know how many times she's played Austin, but she's uh, she puts on a great show. I've seen her a couple times. And then a good, uh, f- they call themselves funk, but I call them jam band. Lettuce will be over at Lettuce at Stubbs. <laughs> and then uh, Kelly Willis, Brennan Lee, and Melissa Carper will be doing an in store at Waterloo Records, uh, which would be a nice one to go check out if you got if you got nothing to do early in the evening. And then Los Lonely Boys will be doing a cool small show at Antone's. And the Lonely Boys are in, in town this weekend, and they're doing a bunch of different different iterations of, uh, of their tunes. But that one will be at Antone's. That one's sold out. Uh, and then a, a great another great local kind of Americana act, Uncle Lucius, will be at Green Hall. And then the place that I keep harping on is if you got nothing to do on Friday or Saturday, get your butt down to Stable Hall in San Antonio because the Black Pumas are doing two shows in a row. And... I stand by that is the most beautiful venue I've walked in in uh, probably my life. So it's it's worth getting down there. It's kind of in the pearl, that. the pearl and area. And the Black Pumas there, that would be incredible. Yeah. Hey, you, you, when you've said that pearl area, and I was talking to somebody yesterday about that who's in San Antonio quite a bit. Where is the pearl area of San Antonio for folks that aren't aware? Um, it's it, I, directionally, I'm terrible in San Antonio, but it's kind of it's over by Alamo Heights slash. Uh, okay. It's, it's kind of backs up to or is right near Trinity University in that area. Oh, believe, okay. So. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know the, the names of the area. I just know that was the area I kind of always went for concerts, and it's it's out that direction. <laughs> I, I got you. There we go. Good stuff. All right, uh, roll on. Yeah, and then one of the, the best ever rock acts to come out of Austin, Texas, White Denim, will be playing at the Mohawk. And for you sports fans, that is uh, Gino Petrali of the Texas Rangers kid is the singer in that band. Uh, Gino Petrali. Yeah, he was a he. Gosh, he was a catcher probably like the '90s, I think. Um, and then hmm. uh, and Cold War Kids, who if you've never seen this band live, get your butt out to Stubbs. They are phenomenal. They'll be out there, and it's nice to see the Stubbs season kind of starting to kick back up now that we can get outdoors a little more. And then Los Lonely Boys will be over at the Paramount on Saturday doing their greatest hits. So that'll be a really cool show. Full band. 
And then this one means a lot to me because Emos on the east side took over or kind of went in where the back room was, which for those old Austin folks, the back room was a very interesting half biker bar, half metal punk bar over on East Riverside. And this, I used to go see this band Machine Head play at the back room all the time. Really, really heavy metal, not for the faint of heart. And uh, they'll be playing Emos, so basically in the exact same spot they used to play, but now in a in a bigger, different venue. So that one, oh, that cool. one yeah, kind of a nostalgia moment for me. And then Kenny Wayne Shepherd will be doing his guitar antics over at ACL Live. Like I mentioned, Black Pumas will be at Stable Hall again on Saturday. And then a Dirty Dozen Brass Band, I'm, I'm guessing coming off one of the biggest couple weeks of their lives, the New Orleans jazz group. Uh, I'm guessing they're flipped down here after... After Mardi Gras, they'll be playing at the hot spot in Cedar Park on Saturday. Very nice. And then a, a, an award show on Sunday that I had never heard of, the Ameripolitan Music Awards will be hosted oh, yeah. at, uh, at ACL Live. And that is, that is an award show for things that don't necessarily fit into mainstream country. So it's honky-tonk, western swing, rockabilly, outlaw country. And, and that's got uh, Ray Benson, Flaco Jimenez, and more over at ACL Live. And then Los Lonely Boys will be doing a second night, but this this time at the State Theater for a small acoustic show. And uh, Jim Ritz was telling me that is a very rare thing for them to do acoustics, so that'll be a special special one. And then one of my 90s country favorites, John Michael Montgomery, will be out at the hot spot. And then Mickey and the Motorcars will be at 310 at ACL Live. And then over on Monday, we've got a group called a hip hop violin group called Black Violin will be at Long Center, which uh, looks very interesting to me. I'd never heard hip hop violin. Yeah, two 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 guys playing hip hop type music on violins. <laughs> wow. so, okay, it looks interesting. Down. And then uh, uh, for all you '80s fans, Extreme will be at ACL Live with Living Color. For those of you that don't remember, that was the More Than Words song that that was one of the biggest oh, songs yeah. in the world. <laughs> I do remember that song very well, as a matter of fact. All right, that's uh, Extreme with Living Color. That's a, that's a rock and roll band there. That's a Day Seal Live. And then a couple more to wrap it up on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, some, a 90s, kinda, 90s garage kind of band that I really like, the Lemonheads. Their lead singer will be here, Evan Dando. He'll be at the Parish. And then the, one of the world-famous flamenco groups, Gypsy Kings, will be over at the Paramount. And then for ticket giveaways, we've got another pair of tickets to that Texas Heritage Songwriter Showcase, which takes place on February 24th, which has everyone from John Randall to Miranda Lambert, Emmy Lou Harris, and I uh, have a feeling we'll probably get some pop-ups from some Parker McCollums, et cetera. So that one, uh, that one's a really cool one, but we'll give away two tickets for that. All right, there we go. Four four seven three seven seven six. If you would like to be at that Texas Heritage Songwriter Showcase, uh, fast approaching now, February twenty fourth, ten days out. You can pick those up by calling Ty and being caller five at four four seven three seven seven six. And he's just had some heavy hitters there. Miranda Lambert, Parker McCollum could block a job, jump in. Who knows? Who knows? It's just a great songwriter showcase, uh, and you can check that out. Four four seven three seven seven six. Hey, uh, Ty, uh, Nick, thanks again for coming in on Monday morning while Ty, while Rob was in commute. Uh, from Vegas, from the Super Bowl. And in that conversation we had, you mentioned that uh, Longhorn wide receiver DeAndre Moore, uh, of course, NIL helped him help his family open a food truck. You said that they moved it down on campus, right? Yeah, it's at this place called the Victory Lap on, I think it's 24th in San Antonio, I think is, is where it is, kind of on the backside of the Starbucks there. That's where that new, like if you ever saw photos on Instagram of 
a bunch of students watching the game on like a big projector screen. I'm yeah. sure that's where that is, right? Yeah, it, yeah, it was it's it was definitely that. It's a big space with a lot of picnic tables. I was very impressed and I, I had to go get my deep fried turkey tacos uh, with, nice. with uh, they serve it with these crinkle cut fries, you know, tacos and fries. It's a great combination and uh, and you also the combo comes with three different flavors of Kool-Aid in one cup separated. It is uh, it's <laughs> it's hard to explain. Kool-Aid flight. Yeah, it is. It basically is a flight of Kool-Aid, but it's all in one cup, and it is oh. phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, you need to need to get over there and uh, and go say hi to Talia, DeAndre's mom, and and the whole family kind of runs that. And DeAndre was there the other day, and Xavier Worthy, and about ten other Texas football players. I think everybody comes over there to to get to get their turkey fix. Turkey nice. fix, yeah, well, that's awesome, and that's and it was over off Riverside, but I think that's a real good location for DeAndre and his family. That's pretty awesome. That place is cool to watch games and know whether it's Longhorn hoops now moving forward or whatever. Uh, pretty good stuff. Hey, what'd you make of? I know you're big, big into the Texas volleyball. CDC was talking about a mini Moody. How about a mini Moody for the volleyball team? Uh, an arena that would uh, get them out of Gregory Gym. That'd be pretty cool. One hundred percent. A little bit of mixed feelings on it, you know. As a, as I love watching them in Gregory, but they deserve a bigger, a, a much bigger place. And, and they can fill it up too. And, and if you watch, you watch kids react to that team. Like that is the most engaged fan base on on all of the campus. It's so impressive, and they're awesome. And Jared Elliott's built built a superpower there, and it's I'm, I'm excited to see where they go. And especially if you have a a place like that to showcase the talent, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Love it. All right, buddy. Well, good stuff as usual. Thanks again for bringing it. We'll post this up, and if you need to get out and see some. Uh, of your favorite bands. This is the weekend that uh, Black Pumas show, two of them Friday and Saturday down at Stable Hall in San Antonio's recommended show, without a doubt. Also, uh, some big names. Lost Lonely Boys at Paramount. Kenny Wade and Shepard uh, is a big name as well. Grace Potter. You're going to like all those shows, without a doubt. And then Ameripolitan, Ameripolitan Music Awards coming up Sunday night as well. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for giving the tickets away. And uh, for, for Jim Ritt, or for the crew over there at uh, at the uh, Saxon Pub for making that happen. You're the best, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. All right, there we go. There's Nick Shuley, Setlist ATX, the president of the Austin Movement Music Movement. Uh, coming back, Rod, it's time for some Who Said That? Who Said That? On a Wednesday. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that time? Appreciate Nick Shuley rolling in here. Time to uh, play some audio from around the landscape and uh, try to discover who said that, Rod Babers. What do you have for me? Yes, sir. I sent you a bunch of clips, uh, Ty. You can dial any of them up and we can play who said that. Who said it? Star player on the Miami Heat is right now other than Jimmy Butler. Hami Hakez. Played at UCLA. That game I scored 40 points was on him. That's Hami Hakez right Right there to center. Stop playing with me, bro. Stop playing what with me. What is this, freshman basketball? No, this is varsity basketball. Bro, he does PM. not look like he, he's number 24. Ask him about it. Bro, he was probably a bum then. No. You see how I got the crowd rocking? That was JV. Just one quick question. Yes or no? Yes. Have you ever had a moment where they rushed the, yes. the floor yes. for you hitting a game winner past the three-point line? Yes. Not past the three-point line. <laughs> yes. Did you score 100 points too? I used to average a 20-20. In <laughs> Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like, I would have added 40. Bro. You see what I'm doing? It's NBA-level talent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That is uh, Micah Parsons and C.J. Stroud. It is. Yeah. That that whole thing is hysterical because they funny. get heated, man. It is good stuff. Uh, then they get into, like, a Jordan Kohu who is a better defender. Oh, man, it was great. 
And you, you, I'll say this, if you're a Texans fan, C.J. Stroud is a competitive dude. Yes, he, he is. He's not backing down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not backing down. And there's Michael Parsons over there. Uh, could break him in two probably, but uh, he's starting to say, I'm a bucket, Rod. I'm a bucket. He can ball. He's a I baller. put 40 on the board. Yeah, against NBA talent. Yeah, man. It's good stuff. Hoopster. Good stuff there, Rod. All right, who said this uh, coming off of a disappointing Sunday? Uh, watching our coaches, hurt, our staff, everybody who pours so much into this, our families – sacrifice that families make in an effort to to go compete at the highest level and uh, it's exactly what we had an opportunity to do it's exactly the stage that we put ourselves on couldn't be more proud of our organization uh, of our players of our coaches uh, of our staff because we, we put out an outstanding effort and ultimately we, we're going to have to live with for a lifetime the the reality that we didn't get it done this time, but we say this time because that's this time, and uh, it, it hurts. And right now, you, everyone's grieving. It's not just going to be okay right away, but um, you know you understand that the only thing you can do is uh, use this fuel uh, to uh, propel us forward, and that's that's where our mindsets are at, or, or at least where they will arrive at some point. Right now, there's a lot of people who are hurt because uh, we poured it out there, and it didn't wasn't enough uh john lynch yes yeah john lynch yep i mean uh still trying to deal with it i mean it's uh it's brutal for that organization and uh last year was philadelphia having to deal with that now it's san francisco and that's uh that's tough because you build a team that's as talented as that and as you talked about rod all the misfortune you know the Mm -hmm. player gets hurt running on the field a critical player gets hurt running onto the football field you know punt gets off to shim it's just uh Terrible. And then, of course, you're running into this Superman guy, Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, tough to swallow, but you got to regroup and come back again next year. San Francisco will be one of the favorites in the NFC. Uh, all right, Ty, I sent you a couple of them more. You can dial them up. We can play. Who said that? You could say Texas lives on the 40 acres or in Austin or even in the United States. But Longhorns know Texas is a lot bigger than that. Texas is a culture. It's a state of mind. It's a global force. Let's go! Because Texas lives deep in the hearts of anyone who's ever worn the burnt orange and white. It lives in the souls of Longhorn Nation everywhere. And definitely rent-free in the heads of our opponents. Now that we're joining the SEC, reigniting old rivalries and forging new ones, where Texas lives just got even bigger. Heisman Trophy winner Earl Campbell. Ricky Williams has the record. Greatness lives here. Legends live Texas here. Has defeated Southern California to win the national championship. Champions live here. History, tradition, respect, and character all live here. Because when you're a Longhorn, no matter where you are or how far you go. Texas always lives here. Hook them. There it is. Yeah. Hype video. Nice. Sark. That was Sark. Yeah, it's good stuff. I like that. That, that is good. You get, you get you pumped up, Rod? You ready to go? Uh, Well, we got a long time, so. <laughs> uh, to... Yeah, it's a nice video, though. It's good. I like it. It is a nice video. Uh, all right, good stuff right there. And let's do, uh, let's do one more uh, piece of who said that sound. Uh, here it is. 
I got the greatest coach this game has ever seen. He's unbelievable at not only dialing up plays and having everybody prepared, but he's one of the best leaders of men that I've ever seen in my life. And um, he's helped me a lot with that, with channeling that emotion and channeling that passion. And um, I owe my entire career to that guy and being able to uh, kind of control um, how, I, how emotional I get. And um, I just love him. Was it All right, there we go. I have no idea who that is. Travis Kelsey. Okay, yeah, that that was yeah. I have no idea. It was a little muddled. Yeah, it was it was at yeah. the podium after the Super Bowl. Yeah. But interesting because I, uh, I, I think Rod, you know the story of how Travis Kelsey was kicked off the football team at Cincinnati when he was at Cincinnati, and he was saved by his brother. You've heard okay. this whole story. I have not actually. Yeah, I'll tell you that coming up. It's pretty incredible. I mean, like literally when Travis Kelsey says. I owe my entire career to Andy Reid. He believes it. I mean, it absolutely is true, and I'll tell you why. We come back. Uh, pretty good stuff right there into our fabulous fifth hour. Rod will take us behind the BOC once again. 11 Longhorns are headed to Indianapolis for the scouting combine. Five on offense, and, or six on offense. Um, four more on defense that are getting after it. Uh, seven, I should say. Seven and four is 11. Uh, we'll run through those one more time. CDC holding court with a town hall. Got a lot that we're doing on a Wednesday. And it's Valentine's Day, the day of love. So make sure you're ready to roll with that. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.